Hi friends, welcome back today to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, verse. And you join us today as we're concluding this passage in Genesis, looking at this sort of breakdown and separation in the relationship between Jacob and Laban. And thinking about how God sometimes uses unusual and difficult circumstances to really get us where we need to be in life. Now, if you're joining us for the first time today, I just remind you that not only can you go back to the start and pick up from day one if you want, but if you're just here and maybe you're just approaching it from looking at this chapter, then a transcript of everything I said is always available in the episode notes of any audio version of the podcast that you might be listening to. Now, if you happen to be watching it on video format on Facebook or YouTube, then there should be a link through to the audio version where it's hosted in Buzzsprite, where you'll find a transcript of what I've said, as well as lots of links to other places. But the important point I want to make is these talks and the text thereof are there for you to use in whatever you want. They're in the public domain. I'm happy for you to take them, adapt them, change them, use them with my blessing. The credit's always appreciated, but it's not necessary. There's also a link there if you're interested to becoming more involved with the work to my Patreon page where you can become a patron and help support and ensure that this teaching is not only out there on the internet but remains out there long term. But before we launch off into the main study today, just a quick thank you. A quick thank you for your prayerful support of everything I'm doing. Even by just watching this, it is a great encouragement to me. I'll come back at the end and tell you more about the way you can get more involved and you can access exclusive and more information and content. But other than that, it's it's bye for now and I'll see you at the end and let's just dive straight in to the main text. So hi friends, welcome back to the Bible Project podcast and we're in part three in the short series where we've been working through the entire chapter of Genesis 31 and we've looking at this at this situation where Jacob is fleeing from Laban and we're just asking ourselves about how God sometimes uses difficult circumstances to get us where he wants us to be. So we've reached the point in the story where Jacob and Laban have come together again. In a sense, they've all had their say. They've all said their piece. So let's see if they can make something of this situation and pick up the story in verse 43. And we're going to cover from there right to the end of the chapter today. But what we need to know, or what I just need to remind you about is before reading these verses for you, is that they have made a covenant in the past. They have made a solemn agreement with each other. In fact, in most translations, the title given to these Bible verses here in chapter 31 are often called Laban's Covenant with Jacob. Anyway, with that in mind, let's pick up the text in verse 43. And it says this, And Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day? to these my daughters, or to their children whom they have borne. Now therefore come, 
Let us make a covenant, you and I, and let us be a witness between you and me. So it looks like they're going to make another agreement, doesn't it? So Jacob took a stone and set up a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, Gather stones, and they took the stones, and they made a heap, and they ate there on that heap. And Laban called it Jagar, Sadahuthra, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore its name was Galid, also Mizpah, because he had said, May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. Without going into a great deal of detail, I'll just summarize and say what goes on here simply is that they make a new covenant and they do it by piling up some stones. And on one pile, they have a sacrifice. So it's like saying they're having a contract. In modern terms, this is like a contract and they're using the piles of stone, one of the piles to have the sacrifice and the other to have a sort of celebratory feast to mark the occasions. And they give names to the places that refer to and confirm the covenant that was struck that day. So by calling them those names, it reminds of the covenant from then on in. Now, I think it's important that the terms of this covenant were described to us in the closing verses from verse 50 onwards. I'll just remind you because it says this, If you afflict my daughters, or if you take other wives beside my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, Here is this heap, and here is this pillar which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness, and this pillar is a witness, that I will not pass beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap and pillar to me. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their fathers will judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. So like I said, they've set up a marker on the land, and they both say they will not pass this. They won't pass in either direction. And that is the, the agreement that they're making this day. And the next verse then says that Jacob offered a sacrifice in the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. So they eat bread and they stay all night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban rises up, kisses his daughters and blesses them. And then Laban departs and returns to his place. So they offer the sacrifice and they eat bread and they have this celebratory remembrance meal. And that's how the story closes in verse 55 with them saying goodbye and each going on their separate ways. So what's the point of this story? What's going on in this story? I really had to meditate on this for a while while looking at the story, so I could just try and draw out, extrapolate out, not just what the basic story tells, but what it means for us today. And I decided, friends, that there are several things going on here, and that I get two main things out of this story. I think what jumps off the page straight away is that when you look at the big picture and take a helicopter view is that, that you, we can see that the Lord remains faithful to his promise. Back in chapter 28 a while ago he said to Jacob and reminded him that he will be with you and the Lord reminded him that he had made a covenant not just with his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac but that covenant applied to him also. One that said that he was going to live in the land that he had originally come from. So he's revealing to Jacob at this point that he want, if he's going to give him the land, then in a sense he needs to be back there in that land, doesn't he? 
So I think the reason that this story is recorded in the book of Genesis is to reveal and to clarify and to confirm that the overall scheme of things as revealed in the book of Genesis is that the Lord will always remain faithful to his promises. He is faithful to the promise he made to Jacob and that promise was to protect him and to bless him. And he did this at this time not only by appearing to Jacob to remind him and tell him to return to the land of Bethel in order that that promise could be fulfilled in him and he could receive the full blessing of it but he also did it by appearing in a dream to Laban on his way to confront Jacob and telling Laban to make peace with his son-in-law. It's as if the Lord is throwing a protective bubble over and around Jacob. And one of the ways he does it here is he says to Laban, who's potentially hostile towards him, don't touch him. So the Lord protected Jacob. You know, many years ago, I read a story set in Victorian times uh, about an Englishman who was traveling abroad and had the misfortune of being seized by local warlords who held him hostage under the threat of death. A diplomat from what I think was then called the British Council asked to see the prisoner and as a prelude to any discussions or negotiations about this man's future he threw a British flag over the man and he said if you fire on that flag then you are firing against the whole British nation. Now I'm not sure that that would work but it seemed to work back in the days when this story was set in Victorian times. Well, beloved, what's happening here is almost like God is throwing his protective banner over Jacob. And one of the ways he does it and is revealed here is he warns Laban not to touch him. One of the great lessons that comes out of this Bible story, I believe, is that God wants to and will do and will continue to protect his children. I don't know if you remember, right back at the beginning of this study of chapter 31, I previewed what I said by making the statement that I felt there was a bit of a surprise at the end. I think I called it a sting in the tail. And the surprise for me is drawn not in the straight narrative, but out of the conclusion that we can draw out of it. Remember, at the beginning of the story, Jacob wanted to go home. The call of God in his life at that point was a call that he should return to his homeland. But Jacob wasn't originally in that sort of mental space, was he? So what did God use to motivate and convince Jacob to go home? Do you remember what he used in those opening verses? It's one of the first things I said and we looked at when we opened this chapter up. What was his motivation to get Jacob to get out of town at the beginning of this chapter? Well, I don't blame you forgotten because it's kind of a lengthy chapter this. It's 55 verses long. Let me read again the three opening verses for you. Genesis chapter 31 verses 1 to 3 where it tells us this. Now Jacob heard the word of Laban's sons saying Jacob has taken away all was our fathers and from what was our fathers he has acquired all our wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance in other words the facial attitude of Laban and he saw that it was in not favorable towards him as before then the Lord said to Jacob return to the land of your fathers to your family and I will be with you so at that point he reminds him of the promise 
So the first thing we see happening here is the fact that Laban's sons get jealous. Jacob's brother-in-laws are getting jealous of his wealth and prosperity and that Laban is becoming ill-disposed to Jacob. It is the negative actions of the unbelievers around him that are instrumental in convincing Jacob to get out of town. He then says to his wives, Rachel and Leah, he says, Have you heard what your brothers are saying about me? Have you seen the expression on your father's face? I really think it's time we should leave. Do you remember that? So these here are the points I want to make in the story. This is the sting in the tale. Number one, yes indeed, God does protect his children. Number two, God does keep his promises. But the sting in the tail is sometimes he uses strange or even what we perceive as negative motivators as a way for us to get out and do what he wants us to do. Many years ago, when I was in a, a secular job in the world, I was promoted way too early and was running a team where I was expected to motivate people to do well and to hit targets. And uh, I didn't have a lot of experience then and I probably wasn't that, I wasn't very good at the job. And I remember one of my managers said to me, the problem with you, McCandless, is that you believe all motivators must be positive. When we look at this passage and think about the fact, I wonder if you've ever heard the expression, God moves in mysterious ways. Well, what did God use in this case to move Jacob? God used in this case the jealousy of his brother-in-laws in order to initiate the motivation for Jacob to do what he ought to be doing already. In other words, to get up and move. God used a hostile attitude signalled by an angry and disapproving father to persuade Jacob to get out of where he shouldn't be and get to where God wanted him to be. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, does God really do that sort of thing? Will God sometimes use negative scenarios around us to get us to move on? Will God sometimes use jealousy, anger, hostility in other people to sometimes get his will done in us? Well, it appears to me that he does, beloved. And I think this is important because we need to understand that God can always be speaking to us even in the most difficult times, even in the times where we're being treated unfairly, even among the craziness of life. So if someone is being hostile to you, maybe the Lord wants to teach you something through it. Who knows, the Lord may well use this situation to accompany his will in your life. If someone is jealous of you, if someone is envious of you, if someone is upset with you, it shouldn't at a profound spiritual level really bother us if we know that we're being fair with them because we know that God may still use this uncomfortable situation as a process for doing his will. He will even, in the midst of jealousy and anger and hostility and all sorts of other stupid stuff towards us, be working in our lives to get us to go get to where we need to get to. If you know that the Lord is working in your life, it doesn't matter what people around you are doing. You can kind of put their jealousy or anger or hostility into perspective and, and in a sense say, you know what, that's their problem, not yours. My purpose is just to try and discern the will of God. We just have to trust the Lord 
to work in our lives and maybe even recognize the persecution of others is sometimes used by God to get us where we need to be in life. But can you think of any other examples in the Bible? I'm going to try and close with an illustration and an illustration that I think fits this scenario perfectly but from a New Testament context. And to do that we're going to just look briefly at Philippians chapter 1. Now I never forget the first time I read this and someone actually said it to me. Someone I was a financial advisor and I was in the house and the guy was a pastor and we were talking and I can't remember anything else he said but the one thing stuck in my head all these years and it's 30 odd years ago he referenced the scripture and at the time I scratched my head and I remember thinking you got to be kidding me God doesn't really work like that does he? But that's what the text is going to say here. And sure enough, I've returned to it again as a more mature believer. And I've discovered, yes, the text not only says that, but that's definitely what it means. So let's look for a moment at Philippians chapter 1. But before I read the text, let me give you a little bit of background to what's going on here. Because this is right at the opening of this letter. And we need to understand that this letter of Paul was written while he was in jail. When Paul was in jail in Rome, he wrote four letters. He wrote Ephesians, Colossians, this one Philippians, and a short letter called Philemon, all written in jail. And this is one of the four what are referred to as the prison letters. So he's in jail, which is not a good place to be, obviously, and he's got to explain to his followers what's going on, and he wants to explain how he's handling this potentially negative situation and this is what he says reading from verse 12 now I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel so he's saying I'm in jail but you know what the way this has turned out it's given me an opportunity to preach the gospel as a result continuing verse 13 as a result it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ now, the point is, he's been guarded by the palace guards, called the Praetorian Guard, in fact. And that meant that he had four guards, four soldiers at a time, guarding him. And he would have been handcuffed to two of them at any one time. So there are these four soldiers with him, watching him every time. And every four hours, that shift and those soldiers get changed. So he gets a new set of four soldiers every four hours. That means 24 guards a day, every day, 24-7. Which is why he says in verse 14, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have been confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So he says, I'm in jail. And the gospel's being spread throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and the people in the jail. It's being spread among these elite soldiers of Rome. The gospel is being thread through the palace guards and the news, he said, is reaching other Christians both in the prison and outside and around the city. See what I'm doing. See what is happening even whilst I'm in jail, he says. And then he says, if I can do this in jail, then we can do it out of jail. So be encouraged. Then he says, picking up in verse 15, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, 
knowing that I am put here in defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Doesn't that blow your mind, friends? He says, let me tell you something else. Some of people out there are preaching the gospel out of jealousy and selfish ambition. Some are preaching it because they think, you know what? Paul's in jail. I can preach the gospel, create division and take his place as a leader of this Christian community. And Paul says, you know what? As long as I preach Christ and they preach Christ, then the truth will cut through. And I don't care whether it is done even out of false motives, truth or jealousy. I don't care because he says, I know that God gets his work done as long as his word, the true gospel, is being preached. So sometimes that tells me this is really helpful because sometimes we'll see things in the world and we'll wonder, maybe even within the church, what are the motives of the Christians behind what they're doing? And I can still be encouraged of that as long as I can see that the true gospel is being preached. And also sometimes when I face or when we face criticism or maybe even out and out persecution, knowing this truth means we can be encouraged because we can still see that God will use these things to have his will done and he may even use them to get us to where we need to be. Sometimes God will use strange ways and deeds to get us to do his will. So don't let jealousy, don't let envy, or don't let anything else or someone else even doing things in a different way bother you. Just figure out what it is the Lord wants you to do and do it. And as Paul says in his letter to Philippians, just do it and rejoice. Okay, friends, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'd like to remind you, as I said at the start, that there's a place where you can support my work and support the vision of the Bible Project podcast to make the Word of God available to and to allow people incorporated into the rhythm of their daily lives as a commitment to work to the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And you can do that by becoming a patron on my Patreon website. As well as doing that, you will get access to exclusive material alongside some discipleship courses that I'll be putting there very soon. Also, I use it occasionally to put other talks, either preaching I'm doing in churches or in other locations and some of the secular talks I do where I go and try and engage with a community group at their point of interest and try and find a way of intersecting the truth of the gospel or the bible into that situation all of that sort of stuff is available on my patreon website as well as links to facebook page and youtube channel and the podcast itself other important news just to draw your attention to a few of you about less than five percent of you probably access this teaching on the Living in Faith Every Day podcast, the weekly podcast. That has become such a a small part of the the process and it's also, it really only serves as a compilation episode at the end of each week that I am phasing that out and using the costs of, of keeping that website going 
as a way of allowing me more flexibility and uh, enabling me to buy more time on the main podcast with the, the hosts who do that. So if you're accessing the teaching in that place, I recommend that you you switch your subscription over to the Bible Project podcast where you'll still receive the same teaching. Now, if you prefer the longer format, it is going to be available. It's already available now in the longer format in the YouTube video version. And when we move on to the next book of the Bible, which is going to be Matthew's Gospel, in fact, it will be available uh, wholly in that format on, on YouTube. But anyway, I really hope that you're enjoying our time together and benefiting from having the Word of God in your life every day. And I'd just like to say thank you. Thank you so much for just, it's such an encouragement for me to see that nearly 100,000 daily downloads are now being done on the audio version of this podcast. And I'm so thankful for the encouragement that brings. But I really would be thankful because it's a huge commitment from on my part that you would pray for me that God would give me everything I need and I'm, and, and I'm enabled to do, this, uh, to do this thing for him. But other than that, I hope to see you right back here tomorrow for me it is, whatever day it is for you, when we'll continue this process and we'll launch off again and have a couple of uh, study uh, episodes studying the next chapter, which will be Genesis chapter 32. So I hope to see you back here right back here again on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.